Can a marriage survive infidelity? We dig deep to explore this thorny question. Join me, Jean-Claude Chalmet, and founder of The Place Retreats and a featured columnist for The Times, with Amy Cooper and Louise Daniels, on The Place Retreats podcast. Search Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite Android app. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to your next episode. I'm Louise, and this week we're talking to Kirsty Law, who is a partner at Thompson Snell and Passmore in Tunbridge Wells. She's acknowledged as an expert in her area. She's been practicing family law since 1995, and Kirsty makes it a priority to establish at the outset the best means of resolving a family's issue. As well as being a solicitor, she's a mediator and a collaborative lawyer. Kirsty is a member of Resolution and founded and still chairs the West Kent and East Sussex Collaborative Law group. She's a resolution trained mediator. Hello, Kirsty. Hello, Louise. Can you just explain for me what that means about being a collaborative lawyer and a mediator? I think I I know, but could you just clear that up for me? Well, basically, both mediation and collaboration are what we call alternative dispute resolution options. So rather than have a situation where a family spend potentially tens of thousands of pounds of their children's inheritance Mm -hmm. and significant delays. So it's a real time and emotional investment going through the court. What we try and do at the outset is find solutions that will enable the couple to resolve the issues between them. One of those is mediation, where the couple will see a mediator together. They won't normally have their solicitors present, but they'll explore with the mediator whether it is possible for the two of them to come up with solutions that will work for the family and the children in particular going forward. Collaboration is very similar to mediation, but with collaboration, both the solicitors are present and there isn't a third party mediating, but everyone gets around the table. Um, Particularly with finances that are complicated, it can help to do it through collaboration rather than mediation because you've got your solicitor on hand all the time. So if there's a complex business, a difficult pension issue, sometimes I see people and say, actually, I think this is probably more a collaborative case than a mediation case. But generally, mediation is a cheaper option than collaboration. So if it's possible to mediate a case, particularly issues over the children, Mm. it is generally advisable to try that route first. Right. Okay. so not everything does go through court. I just thought when you you get divorced, you had to go to court and that was that. Um, No, there is what we see in. EastEnders. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The Children Act 1989 actually introduced a no order presumption. And what that said is pre-1989, every case, one parent got custody, one parent got access. They've got rid of that. Now, there are no orders made on divorce. And in the same way, if a couple aren't married and they separate, nothing will happen unless one or other parent makes an application to the court. So it's very much left to the couple to 
try and agree oh. things between them. Okay. No automatic application. And only if they can't and one of them makes an application does the court get involved. Right. So that leads me nicely on to my um, <clears throat> next question. So I'm going to ask you some questions around divorce and um uh, custody of children, but sort of specific to the time we find ourselves in now. So lockdown um, has we, this week is it, we're having some uh, is easing a little bit, but I mean this is going to be rumbling on for some time. Um, and there are complications, as I understand it, that have been thrown up for couples around finances and custody of children. So can we talk about children first? Because this is something yeah. that I think for some couples is causing a lot of heartache. So I've heard stories of couples who've already split before lockdown, and then problems arise when one parent won't allow contact during lockdown. Um, and of course, you know, many people are genuinely concerned about the virus. But uh, you know, I think there's also a definite, definitely a section of people who are using the crisis as a tool to stop contact, to hurt the other pa- family, um, the other party, sorry, um, and convincing themselves that what they're doing is for the best. Um, and so what can a parent do in this situation now, if an ex-partner is refusing access to their children and using the coronavirus as, as an excuse, for example? OK, so what happened when the Children Act 1989 abolished the concepts of custody and access? They, they no longer exist in law. So when people come through my door and say, I want to apply for custody, I want to apply for access, it's not possible to do that. Right. What we initially had with the Children Act was residence and contact. Those terms have also been abolished and it's really designed to get away from this idea that one person has greater rights. So in the old days, if someone got residence or custody, they saw themselves perhaps as the key parent and the other parent as secondary. So what we now have is child arrangements orders and they will specify when a child lives with a parent and when a child stays with a parent. But you can have a shared care arrangement where the arrangements are completely 50-50, or you can have a shared care arrangement where a child is living with one parent five nights out of seven or six nights out of 14. So the, the, the orders that can exist are very varied. The problem in this current time is whether you've got an order or not, it is going to take a long time to get the matter back to court. And the result of that is it was realised very quickly that we were going to have these situations where either existing orders weren't complied with or parents got into a situation where, as you say, either through genuine reasons or because of the situation taking advantage, Mm. children would not be seeing their parents as they should. And the court knew it struggles to deal with things at the best of times. The court realised they were not going to be able to deal with hundreds of urgent applications to say, I want to go back to seeing my child every other weekend. I want to have them on a Wednesday night as I did before after school. And straight away, we had a lot of people saying, well, does this current crisis counters holiday period with a lot of parents saying they'll share the holiday even if they don't share the term time and nobody really knew Mm. we've now had some guidance out that says it is okay for children to move between houses who are under 18 for the purpose of seeing both parents but what we still don't know is what's going to happen to parents who have not allowed the other parent to see the child because what the regulations say is we will deal with this at a later date when we can But in some situations, it may be okay not to have complied with an order that was made even three or four months ago. In other cases, it won't be acceptable. And I think, I hope, courts generally apply a real common sense approach. And I hope what they will look at is say, what was the reality of the situation? Mm. If you had a parent that was genuinely shielding, not isolating, because of advice from a 
the medical practitioners involved that they shouldn't be going out at all mm. and another parent that was saying well I want to collect the child and we will be going out and the medics involved saying that's a dangerous thing to do that's going to put you at risk then I think the courts are going to have a lot more sympathy than the other scenario the sort of other extreme scenario we hear of where the right to see a child, the child arrangements that were in place have been suspended, but that child is meeting other people in a park. Right. They're socialising with yeah. other families, albeit social distancing. So I think people do need to be careful and not assume that what they've done will be okay because it's difficult times. And I've seen before how if there is an allegation that there's perhaps parental alienation going on, mm. where the parent that the child spends more time with is putting the child off seeing the other parent, in extreme circumstances, the court will change the arrangements and say, right, that child needs to live with the other parent. Mm -hmm. And I think if people have behaved really inappropriately in this time, they do face applications to change the children arrangements so that the child lives with the other parent. But most mm. people, having had an initial blip, having had initial concerns, are being incredibly sensible. Yes, yes. I mean, I yeah, I I, I think I think you're yeah, you're right. From what I'm hearing, most people are being sensible. But I have heard yeah of of a few um, um, sort of issues. If the parent being denied access to their child for whether it's genuine reasons or or not, um, really they are. There's nothing much they can do right now, is there? They've well, they need to, to make an application right, okay, now. Yeah. So they should... If, 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 I mean, the first thing to do would be to suggest mediation or collaboration. And I've been doing a lot of mediations over or Skype, Zoom, Microsoft Teams, even WhatsApp, mm. just doing those mediations because actually getting people together and finding out what's going on yeah. and what the reason is. Because if it's genuine concerns about... And most of us know couples who are happily together but have very different views on what should that what they should be doing in terms of self isolating at the moment, what is appropriate social distance, whether they should be going shopping. So imagine how much harder that is when mm. you split up with someone and don't like them very much yeah. and have always had different values. But if if you can get people together, fortunately the evidence we're hearing is that it's very unusual for children pass it on obviously that may change now the schools are open we don't know only time will tell but if you can actually get the other parent to a meeting that's face-to-face -face but remote and talk it through a lot of couples I'm finding have already resolved their differences right so okay. that's the first thing to do and yeah. if it doesn't work before you make an application to the court you have to have what's called a MIAM appointment or have tried mediation so if you try mediation and it doesn't work the mediator will sign off the form that means you don't then have to have a MIAM appointment you can make an application to the court but a lot of people that have contacted me and said I need you I'm going to need to make an application to the court when we've actually done the face-to-face remote meeting and I can see both of them they can see each other and me we've managed to agree arrangements that aren't necessarily what either of them started out wanting but work so it may be a bigger gap between when the child spends time with each parent it may be that there is more remote time but parents can really help each other in these current times schoolwork is difficult particularly if you're trying to work from home as well but if you can spread it and have a child going between households and the arrangements are clear it can be as often as you want so you can have it one parent doing the morning school the other doing the afternoon school as long as those parents socially distance and the child goes between the two it it can really work so yeah. A lot of parents have found these times co-parenting has actually got better after the initial difficulties. Right. Okay. So the, the so the advice would be to see someone like you and get some mediation. That's you know that's what you've got to do anyway before you apply to court. Because if if they're applying to court, that's going to take 
It's going to take ages, isn't it? I mean, it's not going to get sorted out by the. Uh, it's probably well. I, who knows when this this is going to end? But certainly, where we were being told at the start of it, six to eight weeks for an application to be issued. But I've got a couple that I've sent off when I'm working as a solicitor and haven't heard. And just to be clear, it's not mediation that's compulsory, but if it's a MIAM, but you don't have to have a MIAM appointment if you've tried mediation and it hasn't been successful. So right. I say okay. to people, don't jump straight in with a MIAM without the other person and go running off to court. Just try having, even if it's a short session, 20 minutes, half an hour, just to see if you can make some progress. And then if you can... Unlike the old days where people often came in for a two-hour session, now they're having, over the course of two or three weeks, two or three 20-minute sessions and agreeing short-term arrangements, mm -hmm. seeing how the children are, seeing how they are, seeing what changes with the regulations, and then coming back to talk about the next step. Right, OK. Well, I had in my head you had to apply to court and then just sit there, and I was thinking, well, this, that's not, that's not going to work, you know. So, yeah, OK. Well, some people are doing that, unfortunately, but I think the couples that want to work together are managing to come up even in cases where they have very different values and you look at it and think this is an impossible situation. Mm -hmm. One parent shielding, the other parent not convinced that they should be shielding, worried the child isn't getting fresh air and exercise. It's it's really hard, but you can you can actually make surprising amount of progress, even with things that on paper look as if they're going to be unresolvable. Right. OK. Also, um, I've heard of disputes around um, you know, when um, because the government told non cohabiting couples that they had to you know, they, they should move in together if they wanted to see each other during lockdown. What if suddenly your ex partner has moved in? the girlfriend or boyfriend and your children are living with somebody that you don't know and maybe that person is also bringing their children into the home they're coming and going from another household is there again I suppose you would have to it would come back to having mediation to sort those those concerns out would it I think the difficulty has been that for the parent that the child lives with most of the time, they've pretty much presented the other parent with a fait accompli mm. and said, look, my partner has moved in. It wasn't it, it wasn't what we planned, but we had to make a decision. This is what's happening. And then there's very little you can do because the child's now used to that person living in the property. What's been harder is for those parents who have just been seeing the child's every other weekend, one night during the week without their new partner involved. Mm. And then they say, well, I still want to see the child, but I've got someone living with me as well. And the other parent says, oh, no, I'm not happy about that. And it just mm. has, it, it, these things have proved a catalyst for bigger arguments that would probably happen further down the line. But you then get at what point is appropriate for a child to see mum or dad in bed with someone else. Yeah. What happens if the child is a little child and wants to get into bed in the morning for a cuddle? Mm. What will people be wearing in bed? So many issues that normally you'd have time to properly deal with. But unfortunately, in some cases, it's ended up with children not seeing a parent because it's, whoa, I can't cope with this. And it is a hard thing to yeah. deal with. It's always hard as a parent to see your child suddenly involved with someone who's got a parental role. It always causes issues, the new partner and how the child feels about it. But to have it imposed on you in this lockdown period makes it particularly difficult. Yeah, OK. Moving on to financial stuff, is financially, is now a good time to get divorced or financially is it never a good time? It, it, it always depends, doesn't it? This is the favourite lawyer's answer to things involved with finances. And potentially, it's assuming what most people are concerned about is the property market and what's going to happen. Mm. And logically, if you've got a situation where you are selling a house, splitting the proceeds 50-50 and each then buying a new house, 
what happens to the property market shouldn't matter as long as it all exchanges and completes simultaneously. Because if you sell a property at a high price and you buy at a high price, you've still got enough equity to hopefully buy two more properties. Mm. The difficult situation comes where, for example, what if prices go down and there's a quick sale and then they start to go up again and suddenly people find they haven't got enough to buy the three-bedroom property they wanted and needed for the children. Mm. And that's what causes a lot of uncertainty. It's impossible to know now what is going to happen. The same with pensions, the same with shares. And if you're dealing with a situation where perhaps one person wants to keep the house, one person wants to keep the pension, we've seen final salary pensions have actually gone up in value because of how they are calculated compared to the normal money purchase schemes. And you've got people saying, well, this must be temporary. It's not fair. So it it, it's, it just creates a whole new set of arguments. Yeah. But again, go back to what we were saying earlier. If you can resolve things through mediation or collaboration, and with collaboration, solicitors will often bring in an expert. Mediation will also say to the couple, go and see a pensions expert, work it out, look through it and deal with it with both of you having input rather than taking potluck on what the position will be. Mm. And realistically, if you're dealing with finances, you're probably talking about a year, a year and a half's time. Right. So you've no idea what the position will be then. But what you do know is you'll have probably spent tens of thousands of pounds on lawyers and you may end up with an order that's worse than you could have agreed now. So it's right. definitely worth trying to sort things out with expert help and it may be before you thought, well, I'll have the house and none of the pension. And now actually it's going to make more sense to do something where assets generally are split. So you both take the same risk and where a couple have got a family business. It yeah. may be that three months ago, one person was desperate to keep that and is now saying, actually, I put all the staff on furlough. I'm not sure that this is right. And it may be couples just need to look at different options and they would have done three or four months ago. But that's where the experts come in and can guide them through and talk through what might or might not be appropriate. Yes. For a person in a marriage who uh, or, you know, prior to this pandemic was in the stronger financial position and they're thinking, well, hopefully the economy will bounce back and you know the value of assets. Is there then a case that someone might be better off than if they divorced in more stable times? But then that then one party isn't going to be isn't going to benefit. It's, it's very hard to predict because yeah. it's always the case in a divorce where you've got one person that's earning a high income and the other person claiming maintenance, perhaps because they've given up a career to look after the children. Mm. You normally get the higher earner saying, oh, but my income's not guaranteed. I was planning to retire sooner than the other person thought and I might be made redundant. Of course, now this is all exacerbated because we've seen very high earners be put on notice of redundancy already. There's been lots in the press about the companies that are saying it's not going to be months to recover. Whatever happens, it will take years. So suddenly those arguments do carry a bit more water than they did six months ago. But you've, you've got to look at what you can do with something like maintenance. You can hedge your bets, both people. If one of the, if one person has always earned a high six-figure sum and says, I'm not going to anymore, you say, fine, pay a low level of maintenance on the basis it will be reviewed annually right. to okay. see if you're earning more. It can be difficult because you do with maintenance get into a needs argument. So you, you have to be careful what you're doing. But you're right, it may not be appropriate to say, well, let's have a clean break and no maintenance because the person that was earning a high income may say, well, actually, I gave you, I was willing to give you a lot more capital mm. on the basis I was keeping my earning capacity and I no longer think that's worth anything. We've got to revisit this yeah. because... Yeah. 
I thought I had a job for life and was in a secure industry and it's just all been taken away from me. And what if I had reached a financial agreement before this pandemic, which I now believe is no longer fair? What should I do? Well, we don't yet know whether this is going to be deemed to be what is called a barter event. And in family law, a barter event is something that enables a court to say, there is no way this couple would have entered into this order if they'd known what was about to happen. Barter itself is a tragic case whereby five weeks after an order was agreed by consent, the wife actually murdered the children and committed suicide. So as extreme as you get when dealing with family law. And the court looked at it and said, there is no way if we'd known this was going to happen, that the husband would have entered into this order or a court would have subsequently made that sort of order. Mm. So they said, we will set it aside. It wasn't right for the wife to effectively have all the assets and them to pass to her family. We will revisit it. And that is, if you like, the benchmark test. But it, it's been tried when we had the 2008 recession. People said, actually, property prices, not what we thought. And they didn't get anywhere with that because the court said, no, no, this isn't right. It's always foreseeable that prices will go down. Yeah. And most solicitors, or up or down, most solicitors advise their clients to have a percentage order. So that when I was talking earlier and said, if the property you're selling goes down in value, hopefully so does the property you're buying. So you can still get what you intended to. So it, it's not normally good enough to have a situation where property prices crash but what we don't know about this situation is whether because it could be longer term it could have significant impact on incomes and maintenance can always be varied so that's not a problem if you've got a maintenance order on the basis you were earning a high income and now you're on furlough getting the government maximum and the other person's getting a very similar income because perhaps they've also been furloughed you can apply to court to vary the maintenance It's these situations where perhaps one person's bought the other out of the family home and paid too much because now the family home's worth a lot more or the other person said, I'm going to keep my earning capacity. You have all the equity. I'll walk away from it or I'll keep my pension and the pension's lost value. We don't know. There is, I'm aware of at least a couple of people locally who said they are waiting on their appeal, whether those cases compromise or whether they really do go to appeal. But we will have to see whether it will probably be the Court of Appeal says yes or no, it it should be deemed a barter event. Mm. A lot of people are already saying definitely won't be if you agree a settlement post lockdown, because by the time we started lockdown, it was clear this was going to have a major effect. So we're probably more looking at sort of a settlement sort of January, February, when although with hindsight, we look and think surely we could see this coming. Most people didn't. Most people looked at China and thought, oh, they've had things before and we didn't have to follow their example. I did, certainly. (laughs) I know. It is. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. So, But the the courts are not going to be keen to open up a whole load of settlements, not least because they are going to have enough to deal with. We've talked about the child arrangement orders that will need to be looked at. So I think if there is a way of saying, no, these shouldn't be appealed, But it will be harder where people have negotiated a settlement and haven't yet got an order, because in those cases, the test is slightly different to BARDA. It's is there clearly an agreement? And then the second stage test is, is that agreement fair? Now, it may be easier for a court to say, well, now, now that that agreement doesn't look fair. One person's getting 90 percent of the equity instead of. 50% or whatever it is. And the business that was valued at a six-figure sum is now worth a negative sum. It's being wound up. So it will be interesting to see what the courts do do with these applications, but I suspect there will be some. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. As I said, I always just thought, you know, if you were getting divorced, it was going to cost a fortune. I mean, obviously it costs money, but I was thinking, you know, you had to go to court and all of that sort of thing. So can you just explain to us um, in sort of normal, normal times when, you know, people decide they want to get divorced and they would get in touch with you and what's your role in working out a plan for your clients? The first thing to do is establish what the arrangements are going to be for the children because mm. I think that's what most parents want to know first and nine times out of ten people are pleasantly surprised to hear that they can be fluid they can change as the children get older the children don't necessarily have to be treated as a package so if you've got a boy that spends four hours on the rugby pitch when coronavirus ends mm. on a Sunday and a girl that wants to go off and do dancing somewhere else I'm being very sexist there I should change that <laughs> and I say girl wants to play mini rugby boy wants but it is if you've got children with different hobbies and interests and you want to have different one a parent doing one thing, one parent doing the other, you can arrange that between you. So people are pleasantly surprised to hear they haven't got to have a rigid custody and access arrangement as existed pre-1989. It's now just where are the children going to spend their time and when? And if you can agree that, great. I then often suggest that they look at the Gov UK website if they're married, deal with the divorce paperwork online themselves. You still have to pay the £550 fee, but the paperwork is easy to do. Mm. And you don't then have to spend two or three hours of the solicitor's time with them preparing the divorce paperwork. Where you do need to have a solicitor is to make sure any financial agreement is put into a consent order. And I've seen cases where people think they've agreed things 20 years earlier, and then one person pops up and says, well, hang on, no, that's not right. You don't want to be living with the uncertainty that you haven't got an order. So it is definitely money well spent to have an order prepared. Right. And that's what makes the settlement final. And what we would normally do in the first or second meeting is say, well, look, what are the assets? What are you thinking of doing? If 
people don't know what the assets are, there needs to be proper financial disclosure. And there is a way of doing that. Both people complete a form E and there's bank statements attached and pension statements, E60s. So the solicitor can look through and say, OK, this is what the assets position is. You then look at whether there's an obvious solution. If people are earning similar amounts, they've got similar pensions and all the capitals built up during the marriage and it's a long marriage, they're probably going to split the capital equally if the pensions really are similar keep their pensions and if there's no disparity in income just pay the child maintenance they've sorted it out they pretty much come through the door saying this is what we want to do is it fair mm. and we say yes what gets harder is where you're looking at a case where one person's perhaps given up work or gone part-time to look after the children and is saying I need a house that's suitable for the children. The other parents got a higher earning capacity, therefore a higher mortgage capacity. And there isn't one right answer to those cases. So you might go to court and have a judge say 60-40 division in favour of the parent who's given up work. Another judge might say 70-30. Another judge might go higher or lower. And that's where we say try to sort it out in mediation because what you can pretty much guarantee is if you spend tens of thousands of pounds with solicitors arguing... Mm. You, you don't know what the right answer is. Different judges will be given different scenarios and or will be given the same scenario and come to different solutions. It's very subjective. And so often people through, walk through my door and say, I just want to get the settlement that's fair. Tell me what's fair. Mm. And they're surprised when I say, well, it's not one right answer. Yeah. If there was, you'd be able to Google it. It's about seeing what's going to work for your family. It's not the case that each year of marriage or each year you've given up work entitles you to X. And you have to look at how it all interacts. What's fair with capital now? What's fair with pension in the future? If one person's given up work and the other's built up a huge pension over the last 5, 10, 15 years, you need to look at sharing that. But you might not share it exactly equally. If one of you is having more capital to house the children, you've then got to look at maintenance because if the parent with the children is having more capital, but the other parent therefore has a big mortgage, you've got to factor that into how much maintenance is paid because they need to be able to pay that mortgage. So it all interlinks. And with good mediation, good collaboration, you should be able to sort it out around the table rather than go to court and rely on a judge hearing the evidence that's 20, 30 years of marriage in a day and perhaps not agreeing with you about Mm. what your earning capacity is in the future Mm. or how much you children with special needs. There's always a debate about how much you can work. Even young children, the law is quite harsh in terms of compared to 10 years ago when women off, it was generally women that stayed at home and they often got a joint lives maintenance order. Now there is a presumption that when the child is seven in year two, they can be expected to get some work following a specific case. So people do need to take advice and understand. And that in itself, the fact that the case law changed so much in the last few years shows how subjective the law is. So don't gamble on a judge. Try and come up with something that the two of you Mm. think is fair. And do you find that often, well, obviously you're trained to to make that mediation process work. And do you find that, you know, even quite often when couples come in and they're absolute loggerheads and, and you know, that the, that they can quite quickly come to realise that actually this process will be, be more useful for them. I always say to them, if after three or four sessions you're not convinced you're going to get an agreement, then something's gone wrong mm. and you probably aren't. But most of the time, I would say 80 to 90% of the cases yeah. do settle. And it's not necessarily... It, it, I would say if, if one of you walks out punching the air going, yes, great result, the mediation's gone wrong, yeah. what should happen <laughs> is both of you come out saying, oh that feels a bit unfair, that feels all right, 
But because you're trying to see it from the other person's point of view, who's probably yeah. someone you don't like particularly yeah. at that point, and you've fallen out with. So anything that you've conceded, if you like, but if you cross-check it and say, however, this means when a school trip comes up, it's not going to be on principle, I refuse to pay for it. So child misses out on going to France or Spanish exchange or skiing or, mm. or I mean, there's more exotic places now. Secondary gotcha. schools have trips to America, <laughs> all sorts, if, if, if we ever get back to that stage. Yeah. So it is. And if you've also got to think about things like child's wedding and future, if you've fallen out and argued, chances are you're both going to dig your heels in and say, I'm not going to pay towards that. I'm not going to help with that. You also want to be able to go to the wedding and not make it awkward for your children. You don't want them sitting there thinking, I can't get married and have a big wedding because it will be so awkward with mum and dad. You want them to say it will be all right. And if you can work out a solution, not necessarily the ideal perfect solution that the solicitor said you'd get on a good day, Mm. but a solution you can live with that enables children to go between two households and means when they need something and you can't yeah. afford it, you can ring the other parent and say, would you mind helping out? And they're not going to say, no, you burnt that bridge 20 years ago. Yeah. It is all a bit more harmonious. Doing. Do you ever have, this has just occurred to me, um, uh, do you ever have couples that start the mediation process and then get back together again because they suddenly realise that? <laughs> yes, I have had that happen a couple of times, although at least one I know of it then didn't work out. So I think, and if it's, I think what's quite common is for the mediation to start and one person to, one of the things we ask on the initial form is, is this about your relationship? Is the relationship over? And it's not unusual for one person to say yes and one person to say no. That's always very difficult because you're coming at the mediation from different points of view. One person is still hoping for a reconciliation, which can mean they're overly reasonable. And then as a mediator, you have to stop and cross-check and say, you should get advice because they're doing it to seem generous and in the hope that the other person walks out the mediation and says, oh, why didn't I stay with you? But you can normally tell if both people feel like they want to get back together, you can normally tell. And it is unusual. What's much more common is for one person to still have hope and the other person, because yeah. what tends to happen when a relationship ends is one person makes the decision and then spends a long time thinking about it mm. and then presents the other person with it, having really made sure it's the right thing for them. Whereas the other person is paying emotional catch up going, well, hang on a minute. Yeah. What about this? What about that? What about the positive? So it's it's a very hard time to do mediation when one person isn't as prepared as the other. And also very hard where one person's moved on and the other hasn't. There's a new relationship. And quite often people don't know about that at the start of the mediation and it will come out further down the line. And it's really hard to deal with. And it's hugely it's probably more emotional than a bereavement for a lot of people because it brings with it negative feelings about what were positive memories so it can be very hard well you know thank you Kirsty, for uh, addressing some key family law issues in relation to these strange times and just in general as well because i had like no idea as i said i just thought you like in the films you know you just had to go in and have a big long drawn out court process fortunately not no kramer versus kramer and it sounds like it just sounds like a much more positive experience i mean obviously it's not a positive experience but do you know what i mean that does sound i do have people who say we actually co-parent better and get on better than when we were together having done mediation it's not unusual for people to say that because it's about dealing with ultimately the thing they both love the most their children and working out the arrangements and you can find it 
it's not going to happen overnight, but little steps, a couple that have been unable to communicate might, for example, have a book that passes between the households. And I say, don't see this as a book that the other parent's looking at. See this as a memory book for your child that they then share with the other parent. So everything in it's very positive, not where is the PE bag? What's happened to the homework diary? But all this is what we did today. This is what we did. And then trying to keep negative communication down. Don't reprimand, don't complain, don't say why is the school dress too small or why are the school shoes worn out? Mm. Actually stop and send a message saying, would it help if I bought some new school shoes or do you want to do it? Don't get the child's haircut. That causes so many problems. One parent getting their child's haircut without the other's agreement and a style they don't like or want. Or yeah, There's so many things. But if you get to the point where you're trying to put on a good relationship for the child, because the best thing for a child is if mum and dad get on and co-parent successfully and you're initially mm. acting for the child, before long, it suddenly becomes the new norm. Yeah, and second nature to be and pleasant to each it other. It is. Yeah, this is all right actually. And yeah. people that say you wouldn't believe, I've had, I've had couples where they split up, got together with new people, initially not liked each other's partners, and then ended up going away. The four of them with the children. And <laughs> wow, it's great because they go on holiday and people say, "Oh, how do, are you all friends?" Oh, well, we used to be married, and this, <laughs> so you can see the face drop of, "Oh, oh I've God. really put my foot in it." But some people have excellent relationships because it is about trying to do what's best children yeah if you've gone to court you're probably never going to have that option and it is extreme to be that happy and able to communicate that well afterwards but somewhere in between is what most couples manage with a bit of hard work early on absolutely thank you Kirsty it's a pleasure thanks for having me and I will put all of Kirsty's details in the show notes and perhaps I'll um, I'll get links to Gov UK and uh, uh, yeah, any other stuff that, that yeah resolution and you resolution lawyers have all done the training to be more amicable in their approach so okay. it's definitely worth going there for look at who's in your area okay thank you very much Produced by Louise Daniels. Visit louise-daniels.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.